to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Good morning. In the book of Revelation, there are 60 times when St. John says, then I looked, then I saw, then I saw, then I looked, as the Lord showed him visions of what was soon to be, not only for the church on earth, but also for the church in heaven. Today we're reading from the, the final vision, Revelation chapter 21, verses 21 to 27. The 12 gates of the city were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A fellow dies and arrives at the pearly gates. St. Peter says, Welcome! But before I allow you into heaven, you must tell me of one good deed that you did. The fellow says, well, I was driving down the road and I saw this gang of motorcycle thugs and they were picking on this little old lady. So I pulled over and I I got out of my car and I went up to the biggest guy in the gang and I said, before you bother this little old lady anymore, you're going to have to deal with me. St. Peter says, that's quite impressive. But in this digital record, there is no mention of such a good deed. Precisely when did this take place? The fellow says it probably hasn't uploaded at this point. It happened about 60 seconds ago. But um bump A fellow dies and arrives at the pearly gates. St. Peter says, welcome. 
But before I let you enter heaven, you must answer one question. The fellow says, ask away. St. Peter says, here's your one question. Who is always with you? The fellow says, that's easy. Andy. St. Peter says, Andy. The fellow says, yeah, like the hymn we always used to sing in church. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. Again, but um bump Please forgive me. Don't hold this against me. I've got two reasons for telling jokes in this sermon. One is I have a member of my church who always says I should lighten up my sermons a little bit with some humor. He has to be placated now and then. But the other is a little more significant. You see, for all those times when a humorist attempted to tell about the the pearly gates and some silly entry into heaven question or test. For all those occasions when you winced like you just did or groaned, when someone tells a joke about the pearly gates, what God actually shows us about them and what he showed to St. John in this book is no joke. It's actually pure, exquisite joy. And it goes along with the promise that Jesus made about that joy that no one will take it away from you. Book of Revelation is aptly named. The very first verse goes this way. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, that is to the the last surviving apostle John. The Lord sends his angel to John and the angel gives revelation of seven visions The first three visions depict the the struggle between the church and the world which does not understand us and which can hate us and which can even persecute us. But in every single one of those first three visions, the church emerges victorious. And then the last four visions are of the the war, the battle between Christ and Satan, a battle which will intensify as the end of the world draws near. In this battle too, Christ always emerges victorious and Satan is defeated. In fact, in the final vision, Satan, the devil, is cast into the lake of fire. So as you get down to the end of your Bible and you're down to those last couple thin pages, you're reading this from Revelation chapters 21 and 22, where this is revealed, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. The angel then appears once again to John and to us, and he acts like a tour guide as he shows various details of this heavenly home of ours, the, the heavenly city. The angel says, you got to see this, how the, the heavenly home of ours, the heavenly city, shines with the glory of God. The angel measures the city and it's perfect in every dimension. Everything lines up. Everything is exactly the way God planned it from eternity. The city has 12 gates. Each gate, John is told, represents the 12 tribes of Israel. The very first people to whom and through whom God revealed his saving word, they come and go freely into this holy city. And the city's walls have 12 foundations, each representing the 12 apostles, those through whom and to whom God revealed his saving word. And the 12 foundations are decorated with every sort of precious stone. And then the tour guide says, you got to come close and look at this. Check this out carefully. The 12 gates are 12 pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. A number of years ago, I was visiting India on a mission trip. A couple days before I left, I told my host I wanted to bring home a, a special gift for my wife. They said, you're in India, you should purchase a string of pearls for your wife. So they, they took me to a reputable jeweler in the city. He had me sit down in front of a velvet-covered counter. He unlocked his cabinet and brought out several cases and then laid several strings of pearls artfully on the velvet in front of me. Handed me his jeweler's loop, you know, that eye piece that you hold next to your eye and said, take your time. So I took my time and I couldn't decide because even with this magnifier, every string of pearls looked just as perfect as the next. Every pearl was just as exquisite as the other, which is, is what our heavenly tour guide is showing us, that just this one simple aspect of our heavenly home, the gates, each so exquisite, so perfect, so magnificent, as if it were crafted of a single pearl. And the wide street of the city paved with, with that, with, with gold so pure, it's like transparent glass. 
that's our heavenly home. Which I imagine is a whole lot different than your experience this past week. As I imagine it, in many of our homes this past week, there were squabbles among the grown-ups and confusion among the young people and conflict even between the little ones. This past week, for you or those you care for, there was sadness, loneliness, frustration, sickness, pain. This past week, the the deceiver deceived many of us into selfish thoughts, unkind words, merciless deeds. Recently, a sweet Christian lady was telling me about her past week when her dear brother-in-law was walking down some stairs and he stumbled and he hit his head on the railing and fractured his skull and died three days later. She had some wisdom to share with me. She said, Pastor, for all the plans that we make, for all the things that we hope we'll be able to do, we don't have control of anything, she said. God controls everything, and in God, and for reasons we don't even know, God allows things like this to happen. Which is often our earthly experience, our earthly circumstance, that God allows things like that to happen even to those who are living Christian lives and who want to speak to others about Christ. So the Lord God gives the Apostle Paul the the, the gift of healing And there's this man who has never walked for a single day in his life and the apostle speaks to him and suddenly the man jumps to his feet and he begins to walk and then something terrible happens because the people who see this, they conclude that Paul and his missionary companion Barnabas, they must be gods and they call them Zeus and Hermes and and they're bringing out bulls and they're going to sacrifice bulls to them. And and Paul tries to convince them otherwise that only the, the one true living God can bring blessings like this. And yet even then, they're not able to convince them otherwise. And then people from nearby towns arrive and they hate Christ and they hate those who talk about Christ and they're looking for the Apostle Paul and they find him and they beat him with stones and they drag him out of the city concluding that he's dead. Paul survives. He and Barnabas go on with their gospel ministry But even as they revisit cities like this and other towns, they have one theme that they continue to repeat. They say we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. 
which is what Jesus told his own disciples. And what you and I realize as well, that right now, what John saw and what we see with eyes of faith in that vision, we're not there yet. So the evening before Jesus was not there yet, before he was going to go to the cross and then rise again on the third day, before they begin their ministry in his name, he tells them that the life of a Christian on this earth is often going to be like a woman giving birth to a baby. It'll be painful. It'll be exhausting. It will often hurt. But when her baby is born, Jesus said, she forgets her anguish because of her joy that a child has been born. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, you disciples of mine will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Now is your time of grief, he said, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That's what the tour guide of Revelation chapter one is showing John. That's what John wrote down so that you and I also can see it with eyes of faith. The angel shows us our heavenly home. And St. John writes down, I didn't see a temple in the city. No place for people to have to bring animals for bloody sacrifice. No building where a, a priest would have to stand between sinful people and their holy God. No, in this city, the Lord God who created this new heaven and new earth and the Lamb of God who by his death takes away the sin of the world, the Heavenly Father and Jesus his Son are the city's temple. And no one will take away that joy You got to see this, the tour guide says. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why not? Because glorious God is visibly present in our heavenly home. And the mercy and the love and the grace that makes him so extraordinary is always present there with his people. And the lamb who died on the cross and then rose is also with his people. The Lord God and the, is its light and the lamb is the city's lamp. And no one will take away that joy. You got to see this, the tour guide says. The nations of this world who fought with one another and fought with God and the rulers of this earth who, who took advantage of their people and persecuted God's church and tried to silence Christ's witnesses the nations will walk by the heavenly city's light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. 
It's a vision of peace, prosperous peace. And it's not like the sort of peace that begins with a treaty or alliance and then evaporates with the next disagreement. It's the prosperous peace that endures forever, the heavenly peace. And no one will take away your joy. At the time of St. John, for centuries before him and centuries after him, large cities and towns would have a high wall surrounding them for security. And the city wall would have gates that would be pulled up and locked at night to prevent invaders and thieves and anyone that would do harm in that city. But you got to see this, our tour guide says. The heavenly city is so secure, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there, no evil lurking in the shadows, no threats trying to sneak in under cover of darkness. Why not? Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, will have banished all our enemies and all that threaten us once and for all. And no one will take away that joy. Earthly circumstance is so different from that. Every joy is soon enough followed by a sorrow. Every victory eventually gives way to a defeat. Every gladness is eventually ruined, eventually ruined by some sadness. It's a pattern that repeats itself over and over and over again. Let me be blunt about that. You're being foolish if you're thinking someday if I do everything right, if I behave myself perfectly, if I work hard enough, then someday on this earth, everything's going to fall into place for me. For this life, it won't. Jesus' words, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And what you may begin to wonder is, what about my life after this one? What about my heavenly life? Will, be, will, will that also take place there? The good followed by the bad, the gladness followed by the sadness, the joy swallowed by, by defeat? Not at all. So what John puts before us is, a vision of what this will be like. And it's very much worth our while to look through and beyond whatever is disappointing you, whatever is causing you heartache or hardship or difficulty, to look through and beyond that to see what is to come. A heavenly home, like a city. with gates each one made 
of an exquisite pearl with a wide street paved with gold-like translucent glass with no need for a temple there because the Lord Jesus is there and the Heavenly Father and they provide the city's light. And it's not just me and mine and you and yours, but people from, as the book of Revelation says a number of times, people from every nation, tribe, people, and language, all those whom Christ has redeemed and brought into his forgiving grace, and they're there with us, living in perfect, prosperous peace. And then there's this. Nothing impure will ever enter this heavenly city, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, only those for whom the Lamb died and rose and upon whom he poured out his forgiving grace, only those who patiently endured this life's troubles and who entered the kingdom on the merits of Jesus. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, in the one true account of the pearly gates, St. Peter's not standing at the gate. Jesus is. And he's not holding in his book some silly entrance test, some question you have to answer, something you have to prove to him. He's holding in his, in his hand the names written in the book of life. Can you see your name written there? You who have been baptized into his name. You who have been forgiven, sins washed away by his blood. You whom he chose to be his own. Even before the creation of the world, you got to see this. Your name, by God's grace, written in the book of life, made God's child by the Lamb of God who died for you and rose for you. You got to see that. And you need to know Jesus' guarantee for you no one will take away your joy. Amen.